0: Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording of a Shabbat sermon by Rabbi Rebecca Schatz. Throughout the morning, we've been talking a little bit about what is going on in our world, in our country. I waited until the absolute last second (laughs) to try to figure out what I was going to teach on or speak about this morning, because I was hopeful that there would be some kind of anything, something that I would know by the time I was getting ready to to teach or to, to preach. So there wasn't, and I started to think about what is the message, regardless of if over Shabbat we find something out, that this Parsha can teach us. So I prepared this all before this morning, obviously. And there have only been two times in my life as a rabbi where I've left the news on in my home. One was I turned it on on Shabbat morning uh, when the massacre in Pittsburgh happened Because I had received so many phone calls, and typically I either don't get phone calls or I know that they're not important enough to answer, but because I was getting the same phone calls from my family, from the shul, over and over again, I knew that there must be something going on. So I answered the phone and I turned on the news, two things that I typically do not do on Shabbat. And yesterday, Cantor Troni and I were actually talking about this when we left shul last night. I left the the news on because I had a feeling that there could be some news, whatever it was. I didn't know that that it would be the kind of news that we received this morning, but I assumed something. Like maybe Arizona would be called or Nevada or something. I, I thought that there might be something for me to know before I stood before our community and I wanted to make sure that I was aware of it. So in my spare room, I have the TV on, still (laughs) to CNN. Uh, And I heard the news this morning as I was getting ready. There is something really remarkable about the way that our country works democratically. The fact that we're standing by our phones and our TVs and our news sources And just waiting for one ballot after another, after another, after another to come in, no matter which way it goes, we're sitting here twiddling our thumbs, waiting for ballots to be counted. That's remarkable. It's remarkable that we are a country that really believes, no matter what people are saying, we really believe in every voice being heard. We believe that everyone has the right to vote and the right to be heard. And yet we're a very divided country. On Wednesday morning, I saw a graphic of the United States. By the way, how many of you are so happy that you went to bed on Tuesday night? Right. I keep thinking, (laughs) I keep thinking, wow, I thought I was going to stay up to hear something. I would be awake. I would have been awake for the past five days. So I'm very glad that I decided to go to sleep. But Wednesday morning when I woke up, I saw a graphic that Chava Morel, who's an artist who was here for Cult of Fila last year and we sing a lot of her music, had posted on Facebook. And I don't believe that she came up with the graphic, but it was a picture of the United States as it stood that morning with the blues and the reds and the not yet colored states. And there was a broken heart on top of it. There was a blue side and a red side. And, you know, just like those friendship uh, necklaces where there's a squiggly line almost where they come together, it was broken apart. And it was such a basic graphic and yet one that really that has stuck with me uh, for the past few days and that I keep going back to in my mind. As I've said a few times now this morning, it doesn't actually matter how you voted um, in this particular conversation, it, it matters that we are a country that cannot come together even if we have different beliefs. And that's, that's destroying our country. That's destroying us as people. We're not able to listen. We're not able to ask questions. We're not able to feel for the other side, as I mentioned before, Sheer, when they might not be as excited as we are. So, I prepared this before this morning, but what I want to focus on is how, in our parsha, we talk, we see actually about brokenness. We see this moment where Hagar is sent away by Sarah. Why is she sent away? Well, it seems as though she's sent away because she's jealous. She's jealous that there is. Now another child who is going to somehow take the attention of Avraham, her husband, their father. And she's worried as to what will happen if Hagar and Ishmael stay in the same household as Isaac and Sarah and Avraham. So I have sources in front of me. And again, because this came out later than the bulletin, I'll tell you what the sources are. And if you would like to look them up, you're more than welcome to. Last week, Rabbi Shapiro and I talked in our Parsha class about how Avraham and Lot split. How Avraham says to Lot, at this point, because there could be strife, there could be a moment of tension. There isn't yet, but there could be, we're going to separate. And what Rabbi Shapiro and I discussed is, was it too soon or was it just the right time before disaster struck, right? Because we all know in our lives when there are moments when we say we're going to take a break or we're going to move apart, we're, gonna, we're not going to talk for a few days because that will save our relationship. Sometimes that's helpful and sometimes that's detrimental. You never go back to the way that you were before that break. So that in the back of your minds, knowing that that happened in last week's Parsha with Avraham and Lot, we see it again here with Sarah and Hagar. That instead of keeping that which is uncomfortable or that which is unknown or that which you disagree with in your home, you say, please leave. Because if you stay here, I'm going to have to contend with the fact that we don't agree. That you are going to drink from the same well that I am and I don't want you to take away from something that is mine, my husband, my child, my home. So I need you to leave. So Hagar and Ishmael are sent away. So I'm going to read some of these verses, and then we're going to listen to, uh, to some of our commentators in their interpretation of the story here. So in Genesis 21, chapter 21, sorry, verse 9, it says, Sarah saw the son whom Hagar, the Egyptian, had born to Abraham plain." Now, interestingly, and we're not going to talk too much about this, but Jennifer, I love that your dog is the, one of the main things I can see right now. The, interestingly, the last verse here that says, metzachek, does not mean playing. It means laughing. And it's the same root where Isaac's name comes from, yitzchak. So the rabbis love, and again, I'm not, we're not going to focus on this today, but I couldn't help but point it out, The rabbis love that metzachek means from tzchok, from laughter, but if you want to put a yud in there, it could mean from Isaac, right? That there was some kind of laughter against him, making fun of him, jealous of him, whatever the case may be. Metzachek. She said to Abraham. Sarah said to Abraham, cast out that slave woman and her son for the son of that slave shall not share in the inheritance with my son, Isaac. What do we notice here? Well, she doesn't say your son. She says her son. So already, even before she says leave, She's making separations. She's saying, this is mine, this is yours, and dividing it out. The matter distressed Avraham greatly, for it concerned a son of his. Avraham is still thinking middle of the road, right? He's still thinking, this is part of my family. How can you get rid of this person who you told me to have a child with, right? Right? This is someone who, who you, Sarah, told me to, to make sure that we have an heir to utilize her as our handmaid and to have a son with her. And now I have a son. And you're saying it's only her son? No, it's my son too. So he becomes extremely distressed over the fact that part of his family, part of their family is about to leave their home. God then says to Abraham, do not be distressed over the boy or your slave. Whatever Sarah tells you to do, do as she says. For it is through Isaac that offspring shall be continued for you. So God is basically consoling Abraham and saying, for shalom b'ait, for peace in your own home, listen to your wife. Right, there are many jokes that could be made here. You can all be making them in your head. Listen to your wife, and you should know that whatever happens to them, I'm going to take care of them, but Isaac is going to be that son for you. You're not getting rid of someone who was going to be the the main inheritor of of your blessing. You're not doing away with that blessing that I promised you. You are doing away with another son who will be fine, who I'll take care of, who will have other people. But your son who will still be in your home will be okay. All right. As for the, sl- the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him too, for he is your seed. Okay, so I, I interpreted a little bit past what we had already read, but that's exactly what I just said. So we're going to pause here for a moment and we're going we're gonna to look at a few of our commentators. First of all, I want you to just imagine for a moment this happening in your, in your life right? It's not the case now that we have multiple wives in our own homes, but it is the case that people can be mixed families. They could have people in their lives who are closer to you than to your partner. There could be people who you agree with, but the rest of your family doesn't agree with. And where does that distance come into play? Right? Where is your uncle Shlomo, who you have a very close relationship to, but your father doesn't speak to? How do you connect to that member of your family if your father can't connect to them? Do you send them away or do you bring them close? So Rashi says that he comments on this verse, uh, sorry, on this um, phrase, Im let me read it. Yeah. Im Bani Im Itzchak. OK, so that your uh, your 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 uh, inheritance will be with uh, will be with Isaac and it will not be shared with Yishmael. Right. That This is Sarah saying, let them go, because I don't want to share it. Rashi says for since this is his commentary speaking as if he was Abraham for since this is my son, even though he were not as good as Isaac really is, or if he were as good a man as Isaac really is, even though he were not my son, this one Yishmael is not deserving of inheriting with him. How much less is he deserving of inheriting with my son, with Isaac, with one who possesses both these qualities of being my son and of being a good man. It's a really hard commentary. Right. That's, that's Rashi deciding that Yishmael is not a good person. Now, Rashi obviously knows the rest of the story, knows what comes from Yishmael and knows how much trouble that provides for Jews later on or for Hebrews, I should say later on. However, it, the, the most interesting part of this, of this commentary is the fact that it's not the inheritance stem. It's not just that he should not inherit. It's that he should not inherit alongside Isaac, that they should not somehow be seen as equals. It's deeply troubling. Why not? Why can't they both get the, same, get the same inheritance from their father? If their father loves them both, why not? Okay. The Clea car on this same piece, this inheritance piece says, banishment does not prevent a son from inheriting. Rather, what she, uh, Sarah, meant was that he would never inherit Avraham's good character, so he must be banished to prevent him from influencing Yitzchak. Again, we're reading into this what we already know of Yishmael, that Yishmael will somehow not be the person who Yitzchak could be or should be, and so you need to remove him so that bad can be there and good can be here. Right, that's that's what the Kleyakar is assuming this separation is doing is making sure that a person of good character can grow up without influence of bad character around. This one was my favorite. This is from the Tur Aruch. And it says Nachmanides writes that the Torah praises Avraham in this verse for not objecting to the demand for the expulsion of his concub of his slave. And her son, as he was so fond of Hagar, but that he was troubled that the expulsion of his son would even further inhibit his growing up in Abraham's tradition. This, this to me is what is so, so, so connected to our world right now. That if we decide that we're going to divide ourselves so much so that we're not going to listen to people on the other side of the aisle, whether or not they're good friends or whatever, if you can't listen, if you can't bring them in, they're missing out on being part of a country that should come together, that should not have to be divided, that we should be able to speak to one another in such a way that we see people's humanity and don't assume that we have to say, you go this way and I'll go this way. And we'll both decide that we're right, but we'll never be able to meet in the middle. Now, I'm not trying to say that if, again, I'm at this point, at this moment, right this second, I'm not trying to speak about our government currently. I just want to make this point. I am not trying to say that if you don't believe with someone who believes in something different than you and you think that it is causing harm to people, I am not saying to welcome them in and say, wow, how lovely your opinion is and let me hear more about that. Let me see how I can help. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the conversation doesn't even happen to start talking about what a person believes in, because you assume if they wear this paraphernalia or they voted this way or they speak like that, that obviously we shouldn't talk to them because they're different than I am. But what the Tur Haruch is saying about this moment of separation, of pushing Yishmael away, is that he's no longer even considered part of the same traditions, part of the same culture, part of the same customs, part of the same world. And that is detrimental to their family. It's detrimental to Abraham's family because they become divided in that moment. So what happens next? What happens next is that Hagar and Ishmael go away, right? They, they are sent out. That, dis, that separation happens they go away. And what Hagar and Yishmael experience is what I hope, I hope you don't think that I was going to end this on a, on a negative note, what I hope for us as a people, as a Jewish people, as an American people, what Hagar shows us in her taking care of her son is how we need to act as a people. She goes and she sits down at a distance For she thought, let me not look on as the child dies. And sitting thus afar, she burst into tears. God heard the cry of the boy and an angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what troubles you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heeded the cry of the boy where he is. Interestingly, the boy has made no sound. So how does God hear his cry? We don't know. But God... It's very clear in the Torah that Hagar is crying and somehow God hears Hagar's cry and hears that as the voice of the boy. Hears within her dismay in her sadness because she thinks he's going to die that that was the voice of the boy needing to be heard. Come, says God, lift up the boy and hold him by the hand for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went and filled the skin with water and let the boy drink. God was with the boy and he grew up. He dwelt he d- yeah, dwelt in the wilderness and became a bowman. So the moment where she sees the water which is able to heal her son is only after she is told and able to grab a hold of her son's hand. Hold him close and recognize that now all they have is one another, but that they need to move forward. We see in we see in Hagar sitting at a distance from her son that she's scared. She's scared that she's going to watch her child die, which we can understand. That would be terribly difficult. And what are what Radak said? No, sorry. Yeah, what Radak says to us is that instead of it being in the past tense, it's in the infinitive, right? The word, let me get the verse here. The word is harchak, I think, but let me just find it to make sure I'm right. You know, when you're looking for something, and that's, of course, the only thing. Oh, harchak. Okay, found it. Harchak right? It's in the infinitive. It's not in the past tense. The reason being, Radak says, that while she did distance herself, she wanted not to be so far away that she would be totally unaware of what happened to Yishmael. She still wanted to be able to take care of him, but she wanted to be at a distance so that she herself didn't have to live through the pain of watching him die. So what I'm not saying that we all need to be best friends with people who don't, don't agree with us, right? I'm not, I'm not asking that you do something that would be uncomfortable or really uh, the word that's coming to mind is unheard of, right? That you, w- that you would go to someone who you know is, n- is never going to see eye to eye with you and make that person the person who you have over for every Shabbos and every meal. That would be hard. That'd be really hard for both of you, by the way, <laughs> not just for you. That would be really hard. But I am asking that we bring those people closer. That we bring those people closer in and that we listen to their voices. And that we listen to what they have to say. And even at times we hold their hands and we lift them up. Because if we don't do that, they stay at a distance and we don't know what is going on. And that is even more detrimental because if we don't know what's happening, if, we don't, if we're not aware because it's too hard for us to pay attention to what's happening outside of the realm of our own beliefs, our own this is the way things should be done, then we can't understand the rest of the world that doesn't think like us. And that's how we become divided. So just like Yishmael and Yitzchak... And Rick, I see your hand. I'm most likely I'm not going to call on you, <laughs> but I see your hand. So just hold it till the end of services and then um, I'm, happy to, I'm happy to have you share. I very purposefully didn't make this interactive. Um, I, I hope that we are able, now that we have even more information than when I put this together, right, I hope that we are able as a people to imagine what it would have been like had Yishmael and Isaac been in the same home. They would have had disagreements. They would not have believed in everything. The same way. They would have still gone their separate directions to become the people that they became, but they would have been in the same family and they would have been taught the same virtues, taught the same values, taught the same customs, celebrated Shabbat the same way. And those things are the things that bring people together. I often do not agree. I shouldn't say often. I sometimes do not agree with my siblings but they are still my best friends, right? This is not about needing to agree on every item. It's not, it's just not, but it is about listening and it is about questioning and it is about wondering how you can be at a distance and yet hold someone's hand. So I hope, I hope, I hope, I hope for this community, for Temple Beth Am and for this nation that we are able to, unlike Sarah and Hagar, find a way to continue our lives together because we're all living in the same home and we just have to figure out how we're going to listen to the other person to make sure that that home stays one that is united and one that believes in the ideals of being a community. Being here with you this morning has been more nourishing to me than I could have ever imagined. And again, I don't know how you voted and I don't know if I would agree with you or not agree with you. I don't know. And that's okay. But we're in community and I'm looking at your faces and we're able to pray together and we're able to sing together and we're able to agree that this is important. The community is important. So please, I really, I'm begging you. (laughs) Please allow this to be a time of unity, of listening. And with that, Shabbat Shalom. Thank you for the thumbs up, Karen. (laughs) You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts.